Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my very good friend, Frank Madden. And Frank, I don't even... The Bucks. I don't... They haven't played this week, I don't think. Um, I know that I know they had the disappointing <laughs> loss on Sunday to Dallas, and then yeah, it's weird that at this time of the yeah, season, I, like they're just going to play eighty-one games apparently. Yeah, and I, and a, I guess I they gave power. them four days off. It's weird. Yeah, I had, a, I had a power outage last night. I, I, I had no television or ability to uh, find out NBA scores, so I'm just going to assume the Bucks didn't play last night, but. Huh. 81-game uh, season this year, I guess. Um, 81-game season, yeah. So I, I guess the only thing we can get ready for is this Bucks game tonight. Uh, you should be listening to this on Thursday. They will be playing the Indiana Pacers tonight, the second game of a apparently two-game road trip. Um, Three-game. Philly, too, right? Oh, I, I mean, I guess this is the first game of a two-game road. I'm, no, no, oh, no, I'm no. sorry. I'm no, sorry. No, it's all I, good. I, I, I screwed up yeah. my own joke. Um, yeah, but this is the second game of a three-game road trip. Obviously, they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Tuesday and going to Indiana now. And I guess the biggest thing is Jason Kidd today said that Malcolm Brogdon and John Henson are, I'm trying to think how he phrased it, unlikely to play on uh, on Thursday. Um, so, uh, what, where, what is wrong with Malcolm Brogdon? Like, I, I'm, I understand that it's a back injury and I've had a bunch of people ask me what is wrong with Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and obviously as I've told some of them, well, the Bucks don't really do injuries like that. Um, getting any sort of information from the the team from Jason Kidd about injuries is like pulling teeth. So we don't really know what's wrong with Malcolm Brogdon, but I am I wrong that I should be thinking this is more serious than I thought it was? It's tough to say. I mean, back injuries are, you know, they're 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 problematic in the sense that, you know, you can recover from one and then, you know, a few games later it acts up again, it tightens up again. And, you know, I mean, what did Malcolm Brogdon do in the game before he he went out with the back injury again? He had maybe his best, you know, most impactful game of the season in, in Boston. So um, it's it's kind of tough to say. I mean, these things are, are finicky. And, and uh, you know, he obviously was playing at a very high level, right? You know, he came back, had the back injury, came back, um, and was obviously playing very well. And then, yeah, I don't know. He he slept on the plane and woke up the next day, and you know it was tight. I don't know. It's it's tough to say. So, um, I, I guess you know we don't know really really what's going on. Um, obviously, his level of play would suggest that it has kind of come and gone uh, over the past couple of weeks. Now it's it's apparently back again. So, um, obviously, you just hope that uh, you know they're being cautious and that uh, they're not trying to risk anything, but. Certainly, when you look at the standings, I mean, losing two straight games, even with 
all the other teams in the East having, for the most part, been garbage for, for a week. Um, <laughs> shout out to Eastern know, Conference. Yeah, shout out to Eastern Conference. I mean, the Bucks' odds are, are nominally, you know, still 98% to make the playoffs. But, um, you know, there, there are still doomsday scenarios where, you know, if they lose – they lose their next four games, then uh, yeah, they might not make the playoffs. So, um, so it, it's certainly looking at this game in Indiana in particular. Indiana being the team that right now is on the outside of the playoff picture in the East in ninth. Um, if you beat the Pacers on Thursday, you'd have 41 wins. They'd have 38 wins, and there'd be three games left, and you have the tiebreaker. So, um, you know, the Pacers can't catch you. And looking at the standings, I, I think at that point, you know, you'd assume the, the Bucks are in. Um, but yeah, certainly with Brogdon out and seeing how they've kind of struggled, you know, the last two games, uh, obviously you do worry that, that, well, maybe there's some, some bad scenarios or at a minimum, you know, with, with all these different tiebreakers and the Bucks don't own all of them. Um, you know, there's a scenario, even if the Bucks don't fall out of the playoffs, uh, do they fall into a spot that they, maybe they don't want to be in and, and have to face a team like, you know, well, I, I don't want to play to play the Cavaliers. You maybe have still have different feelings on that, Eric. But um, but yeah, it's certainly an interesting thing. Everything is still to play for. The fifth seed is in play. The ninth seed is in play. Right? It's it's <laughs> going to come down to uh, probably the last game of the season for for these teams. So in the last couple weeks, I've become less and less afraid of the Boston Celtics, and I guess maybe a little. My thoughts have become a little bit. I don't know. I think this Bucks team could actually win a series. Like, with as well as they're playing, I think they could actually win a series. So it's not just about the experience. It's not about getting throttled by LeBron and the Cavs and teaching, uh, getting, or I guess being taught a lesson. It's, I think there is a chance that they could win a so, series. And So, Eric, Eric, not only not only are you blocking out the, the Oklahoma City game last night, correct. you're blocking out my whole diatribe about how the Bucks have been mostly just getting lucky and have a negative point differential since Chris Middleton came back and all that other stuff too. Are you are you just throwing out that all that all out the window? You're back on the Bucks bandwagon. Is that what I'm hearing? Um, not that you ever should have, you know, jumped on or off it in the first place, but um, but I, I, I hey I, I obviously respect your opinion greatly. I want you to believe that the Bucks go into playoff series. I'm I'm not quite there, but um, but I, I, I can see a world, I guess, especially with some of the teams in the East and how kind of unconvincing they are in the grand scheme of the universe. I guess that's kind of more of what it has been than anything else. Not that not that the Bucks are, are really a great team again. Like, we went over this last night. They're not a great team, but the rest – Anyone that isn't the Cavs in the East just inspires so little confidence from me. Um, I probably the Raptors probably scare me the most out of those teams in the top that they could get. But just seeing the Bucks kind of take it to the Celtics and the matchups that you get against the Celtics, the fact that Isaiah Thomas has to be on the floor defensively for the Celtics, like all of that excites me uh, because I just don't see how the Celtics can really match up in that situation. And I think you can steal some games from them. Uh, the wizards, they're kind of, they're kind of terrifying as well. I guess essentially what I'm saying is like, I think there'd be, it would be a fun series to see the Celtics. Um, the other three teams, I don't know as I don't feel as confident about, but I don't know. I just think there's, there's some world in which 
uh, Giannis being the best player in the series wins you that series because that's always what you want in the NBA playoffs. You want the best player on the floor. And other than the Cavs, any other series in the Eastern Conference, the Bucks have the best player on the floor with Giannis. So that alone gives me a little bit of hope and a little bit of belief that maybe they could do something. And I don't know, maybe I should have felt a little bit more confident about the Bucks stealing a series two months ago, even when, even when they weren't playing well. But I guess now that the playoffs are more real and seeing Giannis in a playoff series is just probably a week or so away, like all of that being more real to me makes me, makes me think that, you know what, maybe they could give someone a run in the playoffs. So I don't know. I don't don't know. All of that was totally irrational, and I understand that. But for some reason now, I I just feel like maybe there's there's a world that exists, and maybe there's a couple worlds that exist where the Bucs could try to steal a playoff series. Yeah, I think one variable that we've talked about uh, involving the Toronto Raptors was always, well, if Kyle Lowry comes back, but he's, you know, not 100%, he's not the real Kyle Lowry, then the Raptors become a lot less intimidating. Um, bad news on that front from <laughs> the rest of the NBA's perspective is that Kyle Lowry returned tonight and put up 27 points uh, in a Raptor win over the Detroit Pistons. And, he looks okay. Um, he looked okay. 27 points, 10 assists, five boards, two steals, <laughs> nine out of 16 shooting. I mean, he had a wrist injury, so it's not, you know it's like. Yeah. Not a, I mean, I, I, I've had I've sprained my wrist a couple times in my life, and I mean. I, you know, he had surgery, I think, you know what I mean? And I, I mean, I, yeah. Or, or NBA players playing with these wrist injuries or, you know, like Kobe playing with like a broken finger on his like shooting insane. hand or whatever. Just it's stupid. crazy. How stupid. the hell, how the hell can you shoot a basketball? You can't. I would just be like laying on a couch somewhere. Well, I'm always generally laying on a couch somewhere, but, <laughs> but I would definitely be laying on a couch somewhere if I was a basketball player and my hand was busted up or my wrist was busted up. But anyway, NBA players, that's, that's why they get paid millions of dollars. I guess they, they just fight through that stuff. But, um, yeah, but yeah so generally it's, 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 Lowry and wall carving up the bucks just terrifies me. Like that's the stuff of nightmares in the playoffs. Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing, uh, is that the Raptors and Wizards, all their all the wins by them over the Bucks came prior to Middleton's return, and I realized I just you know made it sound like Middleton's return isn't the panacea that it's oh, been. Oh come on, think. Frank, you're um, there. Come on. But well, come but on. I think it is relevant though, right? Yes, I mean, it is. you know, you, you, it, 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 I mean, even if the stats aren't like massively favorable for the Bucks defensively over the past you know twenty thirty games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bottom line, you're going to need all the good perimeter defense you can get when playing uh, a team like the Raptors and um, and and the Wizards as well, right? Just because they have so many weapons. And um, you know, I think I, I like my odds going against the Wizards if if Chris Middleton is having to defend Otto Porter's corner threes versus Jabari Parker. You know, yeah. and that, again, I'm I'm not I don't think I'm a, someone who has you know gleefully ripped on Jabari Parker and made it seem like he was. You know the prop for the Bucks or something like that, um, but yeah, I mean, of course, like Middleton is a better the, defender. Like whether or not the player, defense has been defender, right? like yeah, significantly exactly. better, he's a better defender. Right. Whether they are better or not, they should be. Um, Correct. You know, and and you'd like your odds better in a playoff series, especially when you're short in the bench, and um, you know you're you're presumably going to see 
you know, even more of Chris Middleton and, and, you know, probably your better defensive lineups and, and hopefully Malcolm Brogdon, hopefully, hopefully he'd be back by then. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to see and, and, um, you know, looking at the playoffs, you know, the, the, the different teams that, that, that are all vying for it. So let, let's kind of paint the picture, um, real quick for everybody because I'm, you know, it, th- this is a pain in the ass. So you see, you know, I, every day I look at it and then I think about like, oh, we should talk about this tonight. And then I just yeah. like, then you have to do research. Uh, there's so the, many scenarios, and I don't know how well this is going to come across us talking about it. And you know what? Like people yeah. can figure it out for themselves. But we should do this. So go ahead. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll kind of do it. So the Bucks are at 40 and 38. Um, they are in the five spot right now. They're a half game up on the Hawks, who are 39 and 38. Okay, and the Hawks. Um, the, the good news for the Hawks from a Hawks perspective is that they have three home games left, um, out of their remaining five. Um, the bad news for the Hawks is that their remaining schedule, um, is, includes Boston, Cleveland twice, Charlotte, and Indy. So they have, um, certainly no bad teams, right? There's no, there are no gimmies in there. And the Hawks have been obviously playing generally pretty bad, pretty badly of late. They're two and eight last 10, um, and, you know, for a long time, you know, they, they were the team with the negative point differential that was kind of hovering in the five spot. They're now at minus 1.3. They have the worst uh, point differential in the top 10 uh, in the East. Um, so Atlanta's kind of in a weird spot. They've had injuries to Millsap. I think he came back recently. But, um, yeah, this, it's just a weird team. And it's so strange. There's so many, like, good coaches who have – not been able to get their teams to play well at all down the stretch. Like Mike Budenholzer, mm-hmm. I think most Bucks fans would say he's a really good coach. I mean, what the hell's going on in Atlanta? I don't, I don't know. I yeah. don't really know what what their deal is. I mean, um, <laughs> and then you other, look at the Bucks with Jason Kidd, who most people would say is not a good coach, and they're winning a bunch. Of, yeah, I totally agree. It's weird. Uh, up and is, Steve up Clifford, is down, Steve, down is up. Yeah, Steve Clifford and, and Stan Van Gundy. Clifford from the Van Gundy coaching tree. Two guys who you know have generally had a very great good reputation over the years. Yeah, their teams have completely you know shit the bed over the last like month or, or so. Of the season. I mean, the, the Hornets have been have kind of just been more I'd say flat for a longer period, and they're actually six and four in the last ten. Pistons, though, I mean, I, I don't know what I mean. Sam and Gundy better is got he a good coach? Like, uh, who knows at this point? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think coaching is sort of one of those things. It's it's hard. Guy, you know, guys can be very good for a period. And, you know, then if you don't have the right rosters and you just don't, you know, if you don't kind of win over a team and you just don't, and I don't know if you don't, you know, constantly evolve and it's hard. I don't know. I, I mean, I forgot, you see, see I for, coaches. I was going to say the ESPN came out with like those coach rankings. I don't know if you saw that, like where they ranked organizations as a whole. And yeah, then it was front like, office, ownership, all that. Yeah, all that. And then people were like freaking out about coaches and like what makes sense and, uh, my friend Chris Towers at CBS who does a lot of fantasy stuff for them was like, I see people freaking out about this and like, maybe this person is a good coach and maybe this person isn't, but so much from the outside is guesswork for us. Like we're just guessing what, what a good coach is like in some situations like pop. Okay. Great coach. Got it. But like a lot of times, maybe it is, like you said, just kind of the right scenario. Like you have the right players and, those players fit your style the right way and it, everything just works out. And then other times maybe it doesn't work out. And I, I don't know, it, it is kind of a, a strange thing to try to guess from, from the outside, because the only thing we see is games. 
And in those games, we don't know what players' assignments are. Like we can we can kind of infer what they might be and try to figure out what should be happening, but we don't actually know. So who's are they executing well or are they not executing well? Is that on the coach? Is that on the players? And I don't know. There's there's a ton of guesswork, and looking at the Eastern Conference kind of just proves all of that. Like some guys that that you think. I mean, I'm the biggest Vogel lever in the history of Vogel levers, and. The Magic have been a mess, and he's been using and Frank Vogel's been using guys in what I think are totally wrong ways. Like everything is just crazy. And Kenny Atkinson, a lot of people like Kenny Atkinson, and the Nets are generally terrible. Um, and maybe that's not a, a sign of his coaching, but also maybe it is. Who knows? So I don't know. They're, coaching is a is a strange thing in the NBA. Yeah, and I think um, I mean it's funny, right? If if you told me that. Um the Bucks were going to finish, you know, with 40 to 42 wins, let's say, and Chris Middleton was going to miss most of the season and Jabari Parker was going to tear his ACL. Um, I would say, damn, Jason Kidd really figured some stuff out, you know? <laughs> yeah, you, um, you absolutely and, and not that many people, certainly, and, and, and maybe we're sort of just in the 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 bubble of Bucks Twitter and the kind of cynicism that comes with <laughs> comes with that. Yeah. But um but certainly that's not the, the tenor of 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 what, you know, uh, certainly people come into our mention that, you know, I mean every <laughs> I felt, loft I felt really bad the last couple of weeks because on the jump one day Rachel Nichols said something about maybe Jason Kidd as like a a coach of the year like Dark Horse or like candidate now that the Bucks are on this run and closing out the season strong. And, uh, like, I tagged her in it, like, at Rachel Nichols, because I feel like that's the right thing to do. If someone says something, they should be attributed for it, and they should know people are going to talk a whole bunch of crap about them. And I mean, she's, that, your, she's your ESPN colleague, too. So, I mean, like, you know, like, just professional courtesy right there. So, essentially, that's what happened. Like, everyone crapped on her. And then a week <laughs> later, Zach Lowe comes onto the jump. And he's listing off possible coach of the year candidates in like sixth or seventh on his list, Jason Kidd. And again, I don't think anyone that that regularly watches the Bucks would think Jason Kidd coach of the year candidate. And again, like we both see it all the time, like people in our mentions talking about Kidd. And then to see Zach Lowe, who I think might be the most respected basketball mind in all of basketball Twitter, in all of basketball coverage. Like, if he isn't the most, he's in the top five. And for him to say that, like, doesn't that kind of throw off your worldview? Like, I know I've watched a lot of Bucks games, and, and I I do think Kid makes a lot of mistakes. But Zach thinks that? Like, when Zach thinks that, all of a sudden my worldview is like, maybe I got this all wrong. <laughs> and, and I don't think that I do. I don't think that I'm wrong. But when Zach Lowe says that, like, what, what's going on? Yeah, it's 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 kind of those things. I mean, and and coach of the year, all that. I mean, basically, coach of the year is generally just a, a, a you know an expectations thing for the most part. I mean, typically you have to have a really good team. Like I was looking at this once. I mean, it's rare for teams to win less than you know fewer than fifty games and have a coach of the year. Like it's typically a team that. You know, the recipe is usually you're expected to win 40 games and you win 55 or something like that, yeah. right? And it's like kind of like the D'Antoni type type narrative is usually the the dominant one for Coach of the Year type candidates. Um, but you know, Coach of the Year has also had a lot of like really not um, really not luminary types win it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, there are a lot of guys who 
like right now could could never get uh you know a a, a job as a coach in the NBA. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, look at it. It's like, you go back. It's like the last, the last few years, it's been interesting, right? Steve Kerr, Budenholzer, Popovich. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then George Carl. I mean, George Carl got fired that year <laughs> and now is like considered unemployable for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, you keep going back. Greg Popovich, Tom Thibodeau, Scott Brooks, who, you know, let's be honest, Scott Brooks had a lot of critics, yeah. including, including Zach Lowe, I think, when he was in Oklahoma yeah. City. Um, Mike Brown, uh, Whoa. yeah. Um, Byron Scott, Sam Mitchell, Avery Johnson. I mean, Ooh. that's, that's an incredible Ooh. run of four straight years. Brown, Scott, Mitchell, Avery Johnson. I mean, guys that, you know, now you look back and it's like, what? Really? They want to coach it, you know? So it's, 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 um, it's an interesting thing, right? And, and I think, I think guys get stale with teams really quickly. And I think, I think it speaks a lot to, you know, I think as fans, we kind of like want to think we can. It's usually like with rotations and not like not like really gra- like granular tactics. Like, oh, you know, like they don't we don't run enough floppy sets, or oh, mm-hmm. we you know to run too much horns, or you know, it's like not necessarily that in the weeds. But like the ca- the average fan will be you know will usually be like, oh, they don't run enough. You know, and in the yeah. box, you can obviously look at it and be like, well, they play too slow, right? Because yep. they play really slow, yep. um, and you, I think you had a great. I really enjoyed you had that tweet earlier today where it was. Well, summarize it for me. You know what tweet I'm talking about, right? I don't know what tweet you're. Talking it was about, about. I think you tweeted. It was something about like somebody wanting to play faster. And oh you said no! That, yeah, every coach in the history of coaches has said they want their team to play faster because during Patrick Ewing's like first thing, he was like, you know, we're. We're going to try to pick up the pace a little bit, play a little bit faster. And it was like every coach ever has said that. There's never yeah. – like that is totally undefeated in the history of coach speak. Like we want to play faster. Every coach ever has said that. No matter what, whether or not that's actually <laughs> their strategy, that is the – I mean that's the greatest coach speak line of all time. Yeah. And and so it's – it's um, it, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean there's it, – it's and, and that's probably – the thing that that gets people most with kid is that you know some of the stuff like the like well the bucks like didn't want to shoot threes for the longest time right mm-hmm. and um and their defense is obviously you know it, let's just say on on in some i mean and they're not the only team to like you know play a, a, a an aggressive defense that that helps a lot and you know again steve clifford who we all love his team has is bleeding three pointers at a, a far higher pace than the bucks right now but I don't know. What does that mean? Is Steve Clifford now a crappy defensive player? <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's it's kind of interesting because I mean, with Kid, like he, there's certain things about like the Bucks' style on offense and defense where you kind of say, this just doesn't feel like it's the best way to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I mean, especially given the youth of this team, like to act like you know it's just uh, you know. Eight-year-old kids driving the car perfectly, and you know that that there's there's like nothing going on behind the scenes, and you know kids just like a bumbling fool in the locker room. I mean, that 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 no, that's not like <laughs> clearly yeah. like there's other things going on, and you know Jason Kidd is is not like a middle school basketball coach, which sometimes you get the impression from Bucks Twitter that he is. Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting. I mean, I think it just sort of speaks to there's so many dimensions to coaching and, and running a team. Um, and I think at the NBA level, especially given the talent level, um, and and you know you see it. It's not like 
you know, you don't. It, it's not always playing chess in terms of like what works uh, on an NBA basketball court, right? I mean, I think the best coaches can play chess and checkers, but, but sometimes, you know, if you've got the right talent, you know, I mean, look at Oklahoma City, right? I mean, people always rip on them for how sort of simplistic their offense was, you know, too much ISO, blah blah blah. Well, I mean, they they won crap tons of games, and, and their offense you know, was quite good. And their offense was really good, and you know you have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden for a period that that can work out, and, and maybe you're not really even hurting yourself much or, or at all. So did you, I don't know. Did you get a chance to read uh, "Do the Bucks Stop Here"? The article by Ben Falk, uh, the previous what is it, VP of Basketball Strategy with the 76ers and Basketball Analytics Manager with the Portland Trailblazers? I, I think I got through like half of it, um, but so so why don't you give the Well, I think it kind of just speaks to what we're talking about. And uh, that was kind of one of his greater ideas is that the Bucks are doing things very differently and uh, there's obviously some flaws in it. And I I, I guess the the better part, I guess some of the stuff that's interesting is he's like, well, clearly they're they're doing a nice job like teaching it like they're they're executing certain things. And when you watch them night in, night out, like they're doing things the same way which would suggest execution in the way that you wanted but those things might not be the right things to do so is teaching like like teaching someone the wrong thing but also that means you're good at teaching and i I don't know like i i thought a lot of it kind of just gets into some of the stuff we're talking about that there there is some guesswork in all of this from the outside and i guess the thing that really struck me was that just some of the language he was using like you can tell that all these things are very specific things that are taught and you can, there's very specific verbiage, but we don't really know any of that. And, and again, we, it's just tough for us to judge these things based on the results that we see on the floor. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's the, you know, I, I think a lot of the, from, from what I read from it, you know, one of the things is that the, the margins for error for like the way the Bucks play defense are necessarily low. Yep. Um, and you kind of wonder, I mean, I think one of the challenges with, with what they do is that the longer you do it, I think there's probably this temptation to think, well, we just got, we just got to do it. We just got to get more comfortable, right? We just need to get <laughs> yeah. guys more, more comfortable with the scheme and, you know, get, get everybody playing on the string. I mean, that was the, the dominant narrative when we, you know, back in the old brew hoop podcast, when we talked about how the Bucks managed to be so good in the 14, 15 season, it was everything's in sync, you know, Jared Dudley, Zaza Pachulia, yeah. always knowing where they're supposed to be. And, you know, again, I, I think that that's, it's really interesting because again, it, it's not just a slightly different, you know, a different philosophy than what other teams do. Um, but it's also maybe one that that does have you know a lower margin for error, and um, that's obviously has to be part of sort of the the cost benefit analysis, right? It's not just sort of the expected value, but um, you know what happens on nights when you're a little bit more off, and mm-hmm. you know all all hell breaks loose, right? And um, but I, I don't know. It, it's interesting because I think we've been seeing. Um, from the Bucks of late, you know, again, their, their three-point attempts, and I think they've kind of had some some bigger three-point attempt games against them recently. But um, you know, they they were able to start to control that better, which is the thing that we always said. Well, that's what this defense can't do. Yep. But then they started giving up, you know, stuff elsewhere, and so it's it's also interesting because you know, again, um, I think there is a, there's always sort of I think to some extent a whack-a-mole problem with mm-hmm. with defending NBA teams, especially nowadays where you're seeing just you know, some historically great offensive 
numbers and, and players putting up just massive numbers and it's just getting harder and harder to play defense. Um, and, and I don't know we'll, we'll see kind of, we'll see what happens. Right. I mean, um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think, I think there's so many variables at play and I, I think I always, I always, I mean, for me, I think that scheme, we, we kind of, I think are productionist a lot with the bucks that everything is just scheme and, and that when the bucks are bad, it's just scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think especially in January, what really went wrong is, is not only maybe was a scheme prone to, you know, when it wasn't going well, it went really poorly, but you also had guys that just, I, mean, I don't know if they didn't believe in the defense specifically, or they just were not on the same page, but yeah. you know, the, the other parts of coaching that maybe we can't see about, you know, g- again, getting guys on the same page and building the right habits and, you know, getting whatever that is, that extra 2% from, from a roster that, you know, I don't know how you do it, but some coaches I think must do it better than others. That was also like clearly lacking. So to me, you know, when the things were bad, it was more so that probably the coaching staff was failing in other respects. Mm-hmm. And, and that was probably more of a dominant theme than, than the scheme, which, you know, again, is, is sort of an easy thing to pick on because we just sort of know it it hasn't changed and it's sort of like old reliable if you want to complain about the bucks it's it's that and um and the rotations yeah. um but uh but yeah i don't know it's it's a really interesting topic i think i mean i think it's you know especially in 140 characters it, it, you know it's easy to, especially given that you know none of us are in the weeds of of basketball like you know people who actually are behind the doors of of an nba franchise are mm-hmm. um it's easy to kind of fall into traps of, of trying to oversimplify it. And, and sometimes you get the right, you know, again, that's not to say that, that, you know, the Bucks defense is actually the best solution or something like that. But, um, but there are just a lot of variables at play. And, and unfortunately, you know, a lot, only some of them are really visible to us. Um, and, and really ultimately what we're measuring more is, is outcomes rather than, you know, necessarily the validity of the process and i think the shot chart you know gets talked about a lot as being indicative of the the bucks process being suboptimal mm-hmm. uh, but you know certainly you know uh, again it, it'll be interesting to see kind of um what happens this summer with kid and and you know again i think if they make a little run in the playoffs i mean if jason kid is back why would he change given that i don't know what makes jason kid change you know certainly not <laughs> yeah. a surprisingly successful season in which you know they were picked to win 30 some low 30s and they win you know 40 some so i don't know i don't think i'll i'm sure many people listening will not take much solace in that (laughs) that statement but um i think it's sort of just a stepping back as a somebody who's still trying to you know who's always trying to understand not just the the tactics of the game but just the bigger picture of how all these things fit together it's it's an interesting sort of petri dish to to watch for sure. I would agree. I think uh, let's try to preview this Pacers game and then let's get out of here. I, I think that should be good. So Pacers, uh, the Bucks have let's see what's their record. They've beat them now three times already this year, um, and big the first time one twenty five one oh seven on November third. That was when the Pacers were totally lost as a team and had no idea who they were or what they were doing. They beat them 116-100 on February 11th, and then they beat them 99-85 on March 10th. So this is a, a team that the Bucks have kind of owned this season, but that's almost, to me, a scary thing that 
you you've beat a team three times and uh, I know the the adage in college basketball is oh the toughest thing to do is beat somebody three times but in the NBA I feel like it it is quite difficult to beat a team four times um in one season and Maybe the Bucks just have something figured out with the Pacers, but also at the same time, Malcolm Brogdon isn't going to be playing. John Henson isn't going to be playing. We're going to see some of those strange lineups that we didn't see on Tuesday. We did see them. I'm just trying to block it out from my memory. Um, the, the Bucks are kind of scrambling right now. Like With both Brogdon and Henson out, there's... There's some ugliness to this roster and team right now, and it's just it's going to be interesting. Do you think this is a game that they can actually win? Because part of me feels like with Brogdon and Henson out that this is just not a game the, the Bucks can get, especially with as much as that means to the Pacers. Well, um, it's nice of you to to mention John Henson's name and you know again make him feel like uh, when he's sitting around listening to the Brew Pod or sorry the <laughs> Lockdown Bucks podcast. Oh, I had a flashback. Uh, when John Hens is listening to the Lockdown Bucks podcast, he can feel some love that that Eric name mentioned uh, uh, his name as being a potentially a reason why the Bucks can't. Frank, beat the, the Bucks are lo- probably around ten games away from trade season, so you know I gotta. Yeah, you gotta, I gotta get you gotta, back gotta, on my game. I gotta get you back. Gotta beat that drum. Uh, I mean, sure, they can win. I mean, they they blew out the Pacers the last time these teams played in Indiana without Chris Middleton, right? Remember that was a. A back-to-back that he had as, as a scheduled off day. Yep. Um, so I think anything's possible. I think you know, interesting to see. I mean, Paul George um, has scored 78 points the last two games. He's generally been on a bit of a binge in terms Decent. of scoring. Um, he's also been taking a ton of shots. I mean, he was actually shot just under 50 percent in each of the past two games. Um, he's attempted 10 plus threes in the last three games. Whew. So he is putting it up right now. Um, I mean, by the way, was was Matthew Dellavedova like frustrating Paul George in the fourth quarter of of the last time these teams played? Was that like the weirdest, the weirdest uh, uh, like defensive success story the Bucks have had all season? I mean, not that Delhi isn't scrappy and blah blah blah, but of all the guys for Delhi to basically sort of I don't want to say lock up, but did, to frustrate that that was a pretty weird one that Jason Kidd would even try to do that. Who did Jabari have a good one against? I'm trying to. I feel like there was a night where Jabari was just like kind of giving someone the business one one, but I can't remember who it was anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, Delhi to Paul George, that's just next level. Like Jabari has plus physical skills and athleticism. For Delhi to give Paul George problems is something. Pacers have given up 110 plus points in four of the last five. They did beat the Raptors 108 to 90 last game out. Um, but before that, they lost. They gave up 135 to Cleveland. That was, I think, double overtime. Um, still, a ton of points. Uh, Toronto, they gave up 111. Memphis, 110. Minnesota, 115. Um, go back a couple more games. Denver hung 125 on them. So, uh, kind of, you know, the in a lot of ways, it's it's sort of been the story that we talked about even before the season with them. Like they kind of just tried to again um you know and i i i i also i suddenly think again of of whack-a-mole they they said hey we have a great defense well let's play fast and improve our offense and you know they signed a bunch of guys this offseason or traded for a bunch of guys this offseason who were offensive players and their defense is 18th and their offense is 16th and they're basically just kind of mediocre at everything um and and so they're they're a weird team and um, you know, certainly for the Bucks. I, I mean, I thought in the last game in in, in Indy, um, 
Giannis really had to work for his points. Um, I, I didn't think he had an easy job of it at all. Um, I think Paul George, if you know whoever they put Paul George on, whether it's Giannis um, or or Chris Middleton, I think I mean he's he's a really good perimeter defender. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think Miles Turner isn't you know he, he blocks shots, but is he a great interior defender? Not not exactly at this point. Um, I'd love to have Miles Turner on my team, but um, but an interesting an interesting matchup. I think Fawn hit maybe a couple threes in that game, um, kind of pulling him out. So it was sort of an interesting matchup. Um, but but yeah, they're they're a weird team. I mean, CJ Miles still exists, and that's never a good thing. Given no, CJ Miles always always kills the Bucks. Um, it, it's funny. So, it's funny you mentioned how this is sort of a weird team, and one of my favorite yearly i think it's pretty much annual at this point is one of my favorite posts is from ian levy um who we had on the show man that almost at the start of this whole thing maybe over the summer um and he does the offensive style charts where it's like the radial graph and it's ball movement pace player movement and shot selection and he just put out this year's and again it's fascinating and i I think one of my last posts at Brew Hoop was something like one of these offensive style uh, charts as well. I can I think that was one of my last ones about kind of the way that the Bucks play and what you can learn from other teams. And he came to a, a similar kind of conclusion that there's not just one style of basketball that can be great offense. But in that post, um, he, he mentioned that that there's a bunch of stuff to dig into, and one of the things was that the pace and space approach of the Pacers, which doesn't actually appear to be using either of those elements. They, they're not pacing, they're not spacing, and now since they they got rid of Vogel, their defense is falling apart, and now Lance Stevenson is in the mix, and it is a strange Pacers team. So uh, to me, it, almost any outcome is possible. The, without Brogdon, it feels unlikely that this team could win, but this Pacers team is just so strange that I, I really don't have much of an idea what's going to happen in this one. Yeah, an interesting game. I mean, I think a kind of a gut check game for the Bucks. Um, you know, again, likely, presumably, all indications, Malcolm Brogdon won't play, um, and and that's tough because you know point guard might be the Bucks' worst position, even when Malcolm Brogdon is healthy, mm-hmm. and you take him away, and you know suddenly we're seeing here Gary Payton the second is playing actual minutes off the bench the past couple games, and you know he doesn't really. I mean, the, he definitely looks like the non-point guard-ish point guard for the you know in the Bucks system. A lot yeah. of just dribble it up and and throw it into a um, a corner series to the Which big he, guy. And that's a pass um, he's not very good at making. Yeah, well, and and I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, you know, I mean, this is a kid who you know, literally hadn't played an NBA game before what sure. Sunday. Sure. Got signed on Saturday. Um, I'm just I saying mean, not, there was some ugly entry passes to the elbow that ended up being turnovers and that was that was not the most comfortable thing to watch knowing that well he was gonna have to do it the next time down the floor so i so i don't know it, it's definitely a tough spot and and i don't know i mean it's one of those things it's like you can wonder are you even is it even worse or is it, is it even worth playing peyton real minutes at this point or um you know i think we what we saw previously when brogdon was hurt they would just sort of like effectively play Jason Terry as like the the fake point guard with Giannis and and just have Giannis you know do most of the handling or Chris Middleton can do similar things so I I don't know it'll be interesting to see um I did notice I mean Jeff Teague has actually had a very good season um he's had I think last game he was 
I think he was like basically scoreless until the fourth quarter in at least one of these Bucks games. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what um, how things shake out. Um, it, I think it's been fascinating. A lot of times, you know, people will say like, "Well, you can't really trust," you know, especially what bad if, if a bad team has a good stretch after the All Star break. You know, people say, "Well, you know, teams aren't, you know, half the league isn't trying, et cetera, et cetera." Yeah. I mean, the East has, if anything, the East has has seemed to prove that wrong this year because, you know, how many times have we seen a crappy team? with nothing to play for, embarrass a, a team that has everything to play for. Yeah. And the Pacers have been on the business end of some of those. The Hawks have been on a lot of the business end of, of those. The, the Brooklyn Nets have been dishing out many of those wins, yeah. uh, those, those bad losses recently. Um, I mean, the Knicks put a hurting on on the Bulls uh, the other night, which was good to see. And um, Actually, on the, on the top of the Bulls, I'm happy to hear that Dwayne Wade might be coming back because I feel like anything that takes the ball out of Jimmy Butler's hands is a really good thing. Okay. And I kind of, I kind of feel like if Dwayne Wade played against the Bucks uh, two weekends ago, that that maybe the Bucks get their 4-0 sweep of the Bulls, and <laughs> and in that scenario, maybe they've already got their playoff seed wrapped up, or playoff spot wrapped up. But in any case, we'll have to wait at least one more night, and um, you know, obviously, you uh, will be scoreboard watching and and hoping that uh, that some of these teams lose games again. The Hawks, pretty difficult schedule. Miami also has a tough schedule at Toronto, at Washington, Cleveland, and then Washington. So basically all top four teams, um, but the Heat uh, do own the tiebreaker over the Bucks and Man. the Pacers, so they have that going for them, which is nice. Just think, um, just think of the alternate world where the Heat don't turn it around, and those teams are all very good, and then the Heat are actively tanking. Those teams have their playoff spots locked in. Man, those would have been some crazy, crazy tank games where both teams were – just not at all trying to win. That that would have been fascinating. But instead, we're in a world where all these games matter for pretty much the entire Eastern Conference, though, which is which is kind of crazy to think. I mean, obviously at the bottom, the Nets are the Nets are out, but at the same time, they don't have their picks, so they're still playing. The Magic are trying to figure stuff out. The Sixers are trying to figure some stuff out, but ultimately tank it. Like I don't know. The Eastern Conference is a it's a weird and wild world right now, so we'll see what that's all about. Um, uh, by the and, and by the way, I mean Tyler Ennis scored 19 points and led the Lakers to a win in San Antonio tonight too. So um, I know the Spurs, you know, don't necessarily. I mean, at this point, they probably are not uh, thinking that they can catch the the Warriors anyway. But um, but that's that's pretty weird. Kawhi Leonard played 14 minutes. I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, but uh, uh, I guess the Lakers jumped out to a big lead and yeah. They, uh, they hung on. So basketball's weird. That's why they play the games. Well done. That's a great cliche to end the show on. Uh, that's going to be it for us for today. We'll talk to you after the Pacers game, and we'll get you ready for kind of the, the final stretch of this Bucks season. But uh, first, the Bucks have to play the Pacers, and we have to break it down for you tomorrow. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you later.